Hey there, preachers, podcast listeners. Today we're covering message two in our Romans 8 series. It's a five-week series. You can find it at PursueGodNetwork.org in our sermon resources. And I'm on uh, the call with Pastor Ross and Pastor Scott. They're going to walk us through this. Uh, Scott, why don't we start with this? Give us just a, a quick little overview of the message that we preached last week so that we have some context for message number two. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, it's, it's always a good idea to spend just a few moments um, recapping where we've been uh, in your sermon uh, when you're dealing, especially with a series like this that's so tightly connected. Um, so last message, we dealt with verses 1 through 13, um, and that starts off with the there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we talked about three points from those 13 verses. The first one, God frees us from guilt, uh, the feelings of guilt and condemnation and even guilt and condemnation itself um, are, are not a reality for Christians. Um, we don't need to experience that because of uh, Christ and what he's done for us. Then we move to talking about God's spirit gives us a wake up call for daily living uh, where Paul begins to contrast the sinful nature and life in the spirit. And we talked about how this uh, is an opportunity for us to evaluate, especially if you're a Christian, to evaluate your life and say, am I living a spirit-led life or in, in every area, or am I following my sinful nature? And then taking that one step further in verses 12 and 13, we talked about God gives us the spirit to overcome sinful habits and how um, we really can have some victory and deliverance in, uh, with those sinful habits as we follow uh, the leading of the Holy Spirit. We talked about some practical ways to do that. Um, so the good news is for this week, for the second message, we're only dealing with four verses, so it's much simpler. Um, and so uh, now we can go ahead and turn our attention there. Yeah, and so Ross, we're, we're covering verses 14 through 17, and the message title is An Inheritance Beyond Your Imagination. So just give us a quick little overview. What is the trajectory of this message, mm -hmm. and, and who is this for? Right, so he in, in Romans 8, he's been talking about the work of the Spirit, and now he goes in particular uh, to talk about how the Holy Spirit uh, makes us God's children and, and bears witness to us that we're God's children. And so this is really uh, speaking to Christians to really understand what it means to be and, and the impact of what it means to be actually children of God. So we're saying that as God's children, we're adopted as children, and, and as such, we receive the inheritance of Christ. Surprisingly, that inheritance also includes not only glory, but suffering. Okay, so those are your three points in the trajectory point. Your first point you're preaching is that you can have a close relationship with God as your father. The second one is then as God's children, we share in this inheritance, and then we, we end on this very, very <laughs> tough note, right? And you're going to unpack this for us, Ross, mm -hmm. is that our inheritance includes suffering, right? It's not just all the good stuff, gumdrops and lollipops, it's suffering as well. Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So let's start with this, Ross, before we get into each of those points and you can explain how you're going to preach that. Uh, what what is what is your setup? What's your intro? What's your hook? How are you starting this particular sermon? Right. So first of all, the overall uh, thrust that I want to achieve is to for people to really consider their relationship with God. So the fatherhood of God is kind of the overarching theme okay. I want to cast through all of this. So I'm going to start with a story about either fatherhood or inheritance. Mm. If I've got, I happen to have an interesting story about inheritance. Um, some people might uh, want to start with a story about adoption. All mm -hmm. of those things, all of those things play in to help them see 
um, that, that this is an important metaphor, mm-hmm. this, this fatherhood metaphor, and, and, and that it's a very positive thing. Um, so we're going to kind of explore some aspects of that fatherhood relationship in these three points. So in both you, Ross, and Scott, both of you have adopted children. So Scott, for you, are you going to, I know this is going to be a very personal message for probably more so than a lot of guys preaching this because of that. Um, you can draw on, on a lot of those things. Scott, are you going to use that in your intro or are you going to save that for later? I will probably save it for later. Mm. Um, I'll probably build up to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll probably do something on inheritance to start the message too. Um, I mean, uh, like a story of inheritance and mm-hmm. I, I, I've talked before about inheritance and um, how my children shouldn't expect to receive any. Uh, so that's always a nice <laughs> kind of easy way into the, into the subject. Um, but yeah, I do. As, having adopted two children, I, I, I do have some powerful examples of that um, that'll yeah. probably save for a bit more of an emotional moment in the, in the message. Yeah, that's good. And I think for the people preaching, keep in mind that, that the inheritance runs through each of these points, Ross, but Remember that you're you're act, it's kind of a little twist at the end, right? Because right. you're you're actually talking about the fact that suffering is included because that's what Paul talks about is that that's included. So keep that in mind as you as you, whatever your hook is at the beginning. And and again, Ross's manuscript notes will be uh, in the sermon resources at Pursue God Network if you want to check out exactly what hook he's using and what he's preaching. And if you want to look at any of these notes. So Ross, why don't we, why don't we go to this first point? Okay. So your first point is you can have a close relationship with God as your father. It's coming from chapter eight, verses 14 through 16. So walk us through that. Yeah. So, you know, he wants us to understand, I think that we have this relationship that we are, we can be called children of God, but he makes it clear that that's by adoption, that nobody's a natural child of God. So we want to talk, so we're going to talk about what does it mean to be adopted. This is a good chance to share the gospel a little bit, mm-hmm. um, to talk about uh, the, the necessity of being included and what that entails. But it's also about the heart of God. He says the Holy Spirit gives us this inner sense that we can call God Daddy. We can call him Abba. Mm. So there's this intimacy. I want to explain what that is. So whenever I'm teaching, I want to ask myself a question. One of the questions I ask is, what do I need to explain? Mm. And so that's a, that's something people, I can't assume they know what that word means. It's an Aramaic word. Nobody speaks Aramaic. Mm. So I want to explain what intimacy is. We talk about that. We throw that around a lot. We talk about you can have a close intimate relationship with God. But a lot of times we don't define what that means for people, so I want to spend a little bit of time doing that. So, Ross, do that real quick for us, for for those who are preaching. I know they can read this in your manuscript, mm-hmm. but like, what are some key points you're gonna you're gonna talk about when you talk about what intimacy means? And especially, I want you to think about it with mm-hmm. men in mind, right? Because we like to mm-hmm. preach with men in mind, because that might not be an appealing thing for some men, mm-hmm. right? Right, right. What what I want to bring out is that. Um, Everybody, I mean, we can approach God as we're, if we're his children, if we're adopted, we can approach him on familiar loving terms. Mm. So you could use some masculine uh, um, analogies, Mm -hmm. like your fishing buddy, you're out alone in the woods, you know, you have this, uh, there's just you, the two of you, you might, you might actually talk about something that's real, you know, not (laughs) just about sports or, or the markets. Um, but it's that the, we can share our heart and our mind and our needs and desires with God. We can get to know Him. Mm-hmm. We can, he speaks to us as well. And so one of the things I want to bring out is he talks about a spirit of slavery, a spirit of sonship. 
And a lot of people who are religious will approach God like slaves, hmm. you know, and say, well, it means I do my job and God gives me what I what he promised, but there's no closeness. It's just like punching a clock. And but but he promises that we can go beyond that to have a relationship with God that actually is relational. Yeah, and this kind of carries over a little bit from last week's message about, you know, Scott, that God frees us from guilt. I think for a lot of people that approach God from that guilt and shame perspective, that might relate to not viewing him as a good father who cares about them and loves them instead of uh, this tyrant who's just waiting to punish them. Yeah, so, yeah, I I think that there's a lot of good connective points. Um, you can go in the direction of maybe father son father son story mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um and and talk about and that's something that would grab men and women but men to uh talk about some sort of father son relationship um that was positive uh or even the flip side of that could be could be negative um you know maybe mm. you had a father who you were scared of um and for good reason and sort of a negative example, you know, God's not like that. God calls you into an intimacy that's not like that. So uh, really you could do both uh, or either. Um, You could work in some of your own personal example or, you know, just examples of others. Um, So there's, I think there's a lot of material. Uh, I think that the father, son, the the child, uh, parent Mm -hmm. relationship has got a lot of opportunity there. Yeah, it does. And even though a lot of people have a negative view of God, Mm-hmm. Uh, because of their human father. Nevertheless, I think every guy, maybe especially, maybe girls too, and everybody has an ideal, a, a, a deal, ideal concept of what they wish their dad had been like. Mm. And so there's something that we can you can tap into one way or the other. Yeah, and I think I would appeal to that. I think that's a good place to appeal to, again, Ross, like you said, to even just say in your sermon, hey, some of you maybe one of the roadblocks in your relationship with God is because of your relationship with your earthly dad or with another another man who was abusive or whatever, right? To appeal to that and acknowledge that and, and then to go back to this text and say, look at look at what Paul is saying here. He's saying you you don't have to approach God like that, right? Even if even if your tendency is to do that because of the way you've your relationships have worked out on earth. So I think that's really a great a great emotive way to connect to that. Okay, so this first point then is really setting up the second point, Ross, because the first point you're talking about, you're just kind of laying out that, hey, you can have a close relationship. But but what it means then, right, in your second point, Ross, is that we share in the inheritance of Jesus. And this is in the first part of verse 17, so unpack that for us. Right, if we're truly children of God, then we're heirs of God as well. But he takes it beyond that. So first of all, he, he talks about how we're actually heirs together with Christ, and so that's something that's worth uh, playing out, trying to figure out what does it mean, because we're not, uh, we're not the same kind of being that Jesus is. We don't have the exact, mm-hmm. exact same kind of relationship that Jesus has with the Father, because he is God the Son, and we're not. But we can say that I think he's given us, uh, that we share in everything that the Father has given to the Son. And so he didn't give him his deity, but he gave him... Um, a lot. So yeah, and, then, some, and yeah. you list out these three things, Ross. I, I really like this. Mm-hmm. I think this isn't to me. This is kind of a hooky point for right. preachers. Is it? It's you're sharing in the inheritance of Jesus, right? So you say three things, and maybe preachers can add to this, right? right? Sure. But at least these three things: you inherit the world, you inherit resurrection bodies. I think that's kind of interesting. That's, Although yeah. it could be a little bit of a sidetrack if you're not careful. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't spend ten right. minutes on it, right? Right. 
But there is a lot in the Bible about mm-hmm. how um, we also share in the glorification of Jesus. Mm-hmm. He's the fir- the first fruits. Yeah. So it's worth talking. I mean, you can have a little bit of fun with that. Yeah. In terms of a resurrection body, like okay. I've always wanted to slam dunk a basketball, you know, or, <laughs> yeah. or maybe I could actually ride my bike up that steep hill in the resurrection. Um, yeah, that's so, good. So there's some fun things you can do with that. But the idea is it it's summarized in this idea that we share, we're heirs of God's glory. And so we talk about the whole world. We're talking about there's a new heavens and a new mm-hmm. earth. We say there's this there's this heaven thing that uh, where there's no more tears in it. And we can kind of paint a little bit of a picture of it because it can be, a little bit vague for people, mm-hmm. resurrection. And so some of those things, we want to give them a sense of what it is that we're called to or that we have received. Yeah, and I, and I would just say this to preachers out there. when you're If you're in a Pursue God church that you really uses the resources for mentoring and for small groups, if you're ever if you if you ever have kind of a sidetrack, what I tend to do when I preach is I say, you know, if we're going to talk about resurrection bodies, for example, I might spend a minute on that and say, listen, if you want to talk about that more um, with your small group or with a mentor, check it out. There's more stuff on what heaven will be like or what resurrection bodies are like or whatever. Right. And so then mm-hmm. kind of point them to that so that they can dig deeper on that with a mentor or a group. But now get back to the to the flow of the sermon. Right. 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 So, so, Ross, we move from that second point that we share in the inheritance of Jesus, and now we move to this very sad last point. So help us with this right. so preachers don't end on just a, you know, I want to preach Scripture, but I want to make sure that we're ending on a hopeful note as well. So right. the last point is that our inheritance as God's children includes suffering. Right, and so I'm going to try to transition into this by saying, hey, you know what, this is a great, glorious inheritance, but there's also an element of it that may be surprising. Yeah. To most of you, maybe it is very surprising because we don't think of it as a gift. And that is in verse 17, the second half, he says, we're sharing in his glory. We must also share in his suffering. Mm. And so there's this sense, excuse me, there's this sense in the Bible. We're united with Christ. That's a key theme. It's united with him here in his glory. That's great. We want that. But that means united with him in his suffering as well. Mm -hmm. And so... Because our union with Jesus is a, is a real thing. It's a serious thing. But for Jesus, he had to go through the cross before he was raised from the dead. Mm. So it's like before he was seated at the right hand of God the Father. So there is this biblical pattern we want to talk a little bit about. First comes the cross, then comes the crown, as the preachers used to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, first the suffering and then the glory. And so we don't want to be shallow to say, hey, we want to be united with Jesus and we want all his, the good stuff but we don't want to be united with him in the challenging stuff as well. That's that's I want to set it up that way. So let's be honest though, for most most people listening, what kind of suffering are we even talking about? Cuz I whenever we talk about suffering, you know, mm-hmm. for, for Paul's audience, you know, Paul was martyred for his faith, right? And and a right. lot of these a lot of these uh, in the early church, that's really what he was talking about. Like what? How are we going to talk about suffering in in modern day America, yeah. Scott? What would you say to that? Yeah, yeah. If I could jump in on that, um, so so that is true. It's often difficult in the New Testament because we see the word suffering, and often it's talking about persecution, uh, and it's and it certainly included that here. But one thing about Romans eight is that the suffering he's talking to is not just limited to persecution. Um, if you, I mean, if you, re, especially in the next passage, you'll will really see this. But he's he's talking about um, just all the frailties of life. So I think it's especially in this 
in this message, it's very legitimate to talk about suffering, not just in terms of persecution, but um, physical health, um, you know, the frailties of life, um, bad things that happen to you, um, you know, you experiencing uh, evil kind of uh, mm-hmm. and being the recipient of it, um, you know, just just things that at least from a human point of view, just seem to be accidents. That's just like, why did that happen to me? Kind of a thing. Um, so there's all kinds of suffering and tribulations. It's a pretty broad uh, word mm-hmm. in this context. So, um, so are you going to expose the prosperity gospel at, at any point in this point, in this third point? Well, I, I plan to, I'm not going to call it that because mm-hmm. I don't want to have to set up what, you know, what all that, I'm just going to, I'm going to say sometimes you'll hear a TV preacher talk yep. about, yep. and that's generic mm-hmm. enough for me, um, about all the benefits, all the benefits, they never talk about the cross. Yeah, that's good. You know, so mm-hmm. th- that's just more of an illustration. I don't really want to wade into that too deeply, um, but what I really want to end this, uh, now you mentioned, Brian, it'd be hard to end this maybe, but... I, want, I think you can end it in a hopeful way because God is still the Father, and so you can, you can bring this back to the fatherhood of God. And um, the Bible talks about how, as a father, God uses suffering in our life as discipline to take us, to make us more like himself, to take, make us the kind of people that we want to be. And so there is, um, you know, let's say you, you, you get a, inherit a piece of land, and there's parts of it that you like, and there's parts of it you don't mm-hmm. like, and before you sell off the bad parts, maybe at some point you realize, oh, there's some wealth of minerals mm-hmm. beneath the surface. You know, and I think that's true of suffering, that when you understand the fatherhood of God, you understand that there's, um, that God uses that suffering to actually make us, as we'll talk about in uh, later on in the series, to make us more like Christ. Yeah, and we should probably mention here that as people look ahead to the next message, which we'll cover in our next podcast episode, it that one is, you know, the title is Why Later is Better Than Now. So we are, we're, because Paul continues to talk about suffering and trials. So I think it's good to remember, like we said last time, don't, don't give away too much. You know, be mindful of what's coming up in the next message, right? Because we're right. going to talk more about suffering. In, in number three, number four, and then number five kind of resolves the suffering issue yeah. uh, finally for the whole passage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, if if I could um, circle back to one thing that comes up in point one, and um, we talked about it briefly, but just this whole idea of adoption, um, because it is it really goes throughout this whole thing, and um, you know even if you are not an adoptive parent or you didn't adopt a child, um, the language of adoption is really powerful mm-hmm. in the Bible, and um, I, I'm I was I always think of uh, J.I. Packer, who's a 20th century theologian, very important theologian. Uh, I think he called adoption the most, the most important doctrine uh, in regards of our salvation in the entire Bible, mm-hmm. the idea that we are adopted into God's family. And so I think it's really worth spending some time personally reflecting on that and then even just, you know, just sort of painting that picture a little bit, just the, the wow of, you know, we are adopted as a child of God and and as you say, Ross, um, based on our union with Christ, I mean, we are, we fully receive uh, everything that rightfully belongs to Jesus. You know, we're full members in the family of God. Uh, j- just like when you adopt a child into your home, you know, when you adopt a kid, you don't adopt them and say, well, you know, you're hope part it, of our family. Hope it works out, member. you know. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Or I'll keep yeah. you as long as you're good. 
Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Exactly. Um, and so, you know, right away, they, they're, they're full members of the family. They're full, uh, they have equal footing with all the other children in the family. And that's what God gives us. And, and it's pretty remarkable. It's pretty marvelous truth. And I think that's one way in this um, particular message that we can also uh, preach the gospel is that, you know, as an adopted parent, you know, I wanted um, a healthy white child. Okay, so um, <laughs> I admit it. Okay, so, but God says, hey, we, we didn't, we, we were the dregs. We were not on the top of the desirable child list. Mm. And, and God says, I'm going to adopt you in spite of your rebellion, in spite of your sin, in spite of all how, you know, you've ran away from me. And so this shows the amazing uh, mercy of God that we, we didn't deserve to be adopted into his family, um, but but he did it anyway. Yes, Scott, would you share for a minute just about the adoption process? You were sharing this in one of our teaching meetings about how you, you fill out this form. Uh, to me, I really want to preach that. And I, I mm-hmm. know that some of our some of the other preachers might want to hear um, how that process worked, because I think that is so important in this particular topic on adoption. Yeah, so... Um at least with international adoption, one of the things that you do, you come to a point where you you have to write out what sort of child you'll accept. And by that they mean basically list list the medical issues uh, that, that you will just say no to. Wow. And uh, that's a very, like, that's a very um, odd moment of your life because, you, I mean, I think all of us would like to think in a vacuum, like, oh, well, I would accept any child <laughs> that God wants for me. Huh. Um, but then you start to think through, okay, some practical realities, you know, at the at the time we lived in a house that, that just had steps that you had to deal with in the middle of the house. And so we're like, well, if could we have a child with a wheelchair? How would that work? You mm. know? And, and so all those kinds of things are, or if you have children with severe uh, medical issues and you have other kids or mm. you have income limitations. So um, you're kind of weighing all that stuff, but, yeah. but yeah, you, at the end of the day, you have to really write out, like we want a child, uh, you know, this age, this gender. Uh, but then, um, you know, we, we can't adopt a child with these medical issues. And so that's just interesting. Uh, it's an interesting moment of your life. Uh, but then to think as, as Ross said, how God accepts all of us, um, kind of however we are. Oh, that's so uh, good. Is pretty remarkable. Yeah. So you can pivot back to, so just imagine every single thing on that checklist is checked off for you, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, in Romans five, right? We're, we're, uh, we were God's enemies. Oh, that's when Christ good. died for us. Yep. Yeah. That's good. All right. So the message is titled an inheritance beyond your imagination. Point one, you can have a close relationship with God as your father. Point two, as as God's children, we share in the inheritance of Jesus. Point three, our inheritance as God's children includes suffering. Again, for anyone listening to this, you can preach this. All of the resources, including manuscripts from Scott and Ross, are available at PursueGodNetwork.org. Just check out our sermon library. And uh, any last thoughts from you guys uh, to the preachers as they're prepping for this sermon? Yeah, I I think uh, I think someone something like this where it kind of goes there's a lot in verse one or in uh section one um and then there's kind of a twist at the end so just you know make sure you don't get squeezed for time i think don't uh, i, I wouldn't want to get to the point where I, I really don't have time to deal with the suffering issue so i think mm-hmm. peace yourself well that, that would be one one thing mm-hmm. so really as you study this you need to think through the questions of suffering and be decide how much you're willing maybe to share your own experience in that area. 
uh, but also make sure you, you've looked ahead so that what you say about suffering uh, doesn't take away anything that um, others are going to say, if, especially if you're only teaching this one message and not teaching all of them. You wanna, we talked about uh, how you really want to make sure that you don't uh, steal great ideas from other passages as well.